No, I can't think of anything. You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to another Thursday edition of Huddle Up, a football podcast. Corey has a bye week. He's off this week. Daniel and I will take over. And today we're talking about fantasy buy sells. These are going to be players who are either underperforming that we want to go after or overperforming that we think are actually turds in disguise. Uh, spit them out, flush them, do whatever it takes. That's what we're going to talk about today. Daniel, um, before we do that, though, is there any news to go over? I know the concussion. Do we do we need to talk about the concussion thing? I think I think that's old news. There, there's new concussion protocol. When a player looks like a newborn giraffe, they're being pulled and they cannot come <laughs> back. Every time we saw it with Naeem Hines um, on Thursday. Here we go. We're already talking about the Colts. Imagine uh, Thursday night game in uh, Denver was the day before these rules were approved. Everybody saw this coming. The draft had already been written and proposed. Everybody saw the draft and, and knew that this is what was going to be included. And unfortunately, early in the game, Nine Hines obviously suffered a concussion and had the same loss of motor ability that we saw with Tua. Now, not as extreme. And I'm talking about the one where he was, where Tua was on the ground, clearly unconscious. I'm talking about when Tua got up and stumbled around. Uh, the same thing happened with Nine Hines. He was taken off the field and immediately ruled out for the rest of the game. And that's basically what this means. It doesn't mean that you're immediately in the concussion protocol, I don't believe. Is that, did you read it? Do you know? Um, I read a little bit about it. I don't know specifically about that, but I do know something big is going to change. And it's already changed. Yeah, yeah. It is the spotter discretion. Oh, tell me. So did you hear about Teddy Bridgewater this week? So I saw that he also had a concussion. But past concussion protocol to go back in the game. But due to the new rules at the spotter's discretion, he spotted Teddy Bridgewater, and he is immediately out for the rest of the game, no questions asked. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. So you nailed it. I, that's what I thought the case was, but I didn't know how to articulate it well enough. You can look like a newborn giraffe, and you are out of the game immediately. But he didn't. He didn't. Oh. He he look he took a big enough hit that the spotter thought should have like been conclusive of like, oh, he probably will have a concussion based on that hit. And Tua went into the tent, passed all tests, would have gone back into the game if it was two weeks ago. But he did not because of the new rules that are in place now. So that's a big thing that's gonna change. I I mean some of these guys, it, you know, it's kind of weird. You could take a huge hit and it not feel the same as some of these softer hits that have like, you know, brutal concussions on them. It's just the way, the way that you're hit. Um, and some guys are different, but I mean, some of these hard hits that guys can go immediately back into the game and they feel fine. They're just going to be taken out of the game. So it's going to have huge implications on games and fantasy lineups and everything going forward. Yeah. Huge implications there. Um, any other news? Do we want to talk about, I mean, what else happened? Anything major? Not, uh, Nothing's not jumping out of. at me. 
moving forward, we're going to take some screenshots and shoot them into our group message. As the week goes on, I would like us to be a little more proactive with that. I don't want to plan the entire episode throughout the week, but as we see headlines that we want to talk about for two minutes, three minutes, throw them in. It can just be our news segment. Um, just a quick screenshot. And it could, like I said, two minutes of discussion. Anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and we're going to move on to fantasy buy sells. Daniel has a list. Daniel's going to go through his list as he chooses, whether he chooses his buys first or his sells first. I don't care. Daniel has full control of the episode from here on out. And he and I are just going to have a conversation about whether or not I think he's an idiot. Yes. So go ahead. I'll go back and forth. Um, I'll do a buy and then I'll do a sell. Um, And then we'll, I have a couple of each, so we'll just kind of go through them here, but I love talking about fantasy. So moving forward, this is all fantasy football related. Okay. Um, So my first buy um, is actually a quarterback. Um, and in one, actually in a couple different leagues, it's been a little different this year with quarterbacks and the way I'm viewing it. Um, usually you and I agree on this, Tony, you wait on a quarterback when you're drafting, because typically the difference between like quarterback one or two versus quarterback six, seven, eight is, you know, the difference of like 10, 11 points, you know, total throughout the season, which is nothing. But this year, for whatever reason, the guys at the top are making such a big difference for teams. I mean, look at the teams that have Josh Allen. If you have Josh Allen on your team, you could not have lost more than one or two games at this point. And we're at week six already, which is crazy. But the guys at the top, Patrick Mahomes, he keeps doing it year after year after year. So that kind of feeds along into my first buy here. Um, My first buy is Justin Herbert. He was the quarterback three last year, okay? So this is a guy that was kind of setting the world on fire, super young still. Um, He's kind of off to a rough start. Uh, He did get hurt. He tore some rib cartilage, and he's still healing up from that, but he is getting healthier. Um, Quarterback 10 right now. He has not had Keenan Allen a couple weeks, Um, so that's a huge difference. The spreads between whether or not he has Keenan Allen or not, that's a a big difference between Justin Herbert. So. yeah, he he's getting Keenan Allen back. I think after the bye week. That's uh, that's three weeks from now. No, okay, that's not that's not something that I heard then. But Keenan should be back here soon. But um, but listen to the schedule too. So this is after their bye week. You said three three weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, week nine. Listen to the schedule after the bye week. Okay, Justin Herbert is going to win people fantasy championships. I'm telling you that right now. Okay, Atlanta. Okay, and then they go into San Francisco, which might be a kind of a questionable matchup there. After that, Kansas City, that's going to be a high-scoring in-division game. Arizona, who's terrible. Las Vegas, terrible. Miami, terrible. And Tennessee, terrible against the deep ball, their DBs. So Justin Herbert is about to have, I mean, he's going to heal up. He's going to get Keenan Allen back, and hopefully everybody else stays healthy. And then the guy can do it all. He's got the coach that goes for it on these fourth downs, high-flying offense. Austin Eckler shot up to the running back three this week. It was amazing. (laughs) He was going to be like an ultimate buy in this episode. But now it's too late. You can't buy him anymore because everybody who drafted him is now like, you know, got the – you know, got the answer that they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So – Justin Herbert, just based on that schedule, I mean, you have you have six 
six out of seven weeks that he should put up near 30 points. If not, you know, he can get into the 40s, which wins fantasy weeks. So Justin Herbert, my first buy. What do you think about that, Tony? I think, it's, like good, it? I think it's a good buy. Yeah. Um, how much do you pay for a quarterback? Let's have that discussion real quick. Oh, man, that is so tough. So yeah. obviously, super flex and single quarterback, totally different. Because super flex, Justin Herbert is virtually untouchable. I mean, you cannot trade in a, in a super flex, like it depends on if it's a dynasty league, but in a super flex, man, you have to give up a ton because you could start two quarterbacks. And Justin Herbert is virtually, uh, virtually untouchable. I mean, it would take, it would take so many assets, but in a single quarterback league, this is mainly what I'm talking about because that is where you can get Justin Herbert. Okay. Um, which, like I said, this year it's going to be hard. You have to have a guy that's kind of that mid-level guy, and then you have to add a piece. So let's look at a couple quarterbacks that maybe you can add um, to to the pieces here. So maybe you have um, someone that has Mike Evans that you can do Tom Brady plus plus a piece, like a starting running back that may be young upcoming, like a Damian Harris – or not Damian Harris, sorry, Damian Pierce. Um, you know, a guy kind of in that – mid-level range that's still a starter um you could do i i would trade joe burrow plus plus a piece because joe burrow is kind of struggling right now but he still has that name honestly i would trade would you trade kyler murray oh uh, yeah for justin herbert right yeah, now i think so and you i think damian pierce for the damian pierce owners out there um that actually could potentially be the the perfect uh team to trade for Justin Herbert. And, he, and now that you said that it like a light bulb went off in my head. Here's my rationale. I don't love giving away starters for quarterbacks because in my opinion, you're moving up what four points a game in the position. But in this example, Damian Pierce was being drafted in what the 10th round, the 12th round. And so uh, he was higher than that was by, by draft season. He was considered, you know, the starter. So he was going in like the fifth, sixth rounds. Oh, I don't think I saw him that early, and that would change things. Um, I guess I'm, that does change things for me because I always try to put these trades back up, especially early in the season. I say put them on the board. That's the way I look at these trades and redraft. Put them back on a draft board, go back to where you were on draft day, and imagine if you didn't have the third pick and the seventh pick. Would you rather have Justin Herbert than those two players, right? And that's just the, the way my brain sorts through it. When you move Damian Pierce down to the 10th round, it becomes very easy. It becomes very easy to move a guy that you drafted as a depth piece that hit. It's easy to combine him with somebody and throw him away. It costs you nothing to obtain him. And you probably have, if that's the case, if you're drafting a guy like Pierce, odds are you're aware of the RB market. And so you've got a guy like a Nick Chubb, a Dalvin Cook, like these mid, you've got a couple of mid range running backs and Nick Chubb is not mid range. He's RB one, but I'm saying he wasn't drafted as the RB one. That's my argument. He was a first to the second round. But my point is when you have these picks that you drafted very late with a quarterback that's not exactly um, living up to expectations, but still has a name. You mentioned Kyler Murray. I would, I would, yes, yes, I would absolutely do that. I would trade Pierce and Kyler Murray um, for Herbert. Now, I might ask for a little bit back. I may ask for a bench player, whoever he was going to cut. I want that guy back on my squad just so I've got some depth there. But, um, but yeah, I would trade for Herbert, and I think that's good advice on how I would get him. Yeah, and part of that too of how you you view it, you just kind of kind of know your league owners too. Like maybe just feel them out first, because obviously with you, you're still looking at the draft and you know kind of looking at the value and all that. For me, 
I come, I, at this point in the season have completely thrown the draft out the window. Like it doesn't matter where I've drafted a player if they are underperforming and I, I don't see a window where they get to where I drafted them, I'm trading them. I'm, I have not a short leash with everybody, but just an understanding of, you know, that could have been a draft bust and I'm not going to hold on. You know, I'm not going to be caught holding the bag. Um, you know, guys I drafted in the first round, you know, bust. I have so many leagues. So guys that I've taken in the first round bust every year, it seems like. Um, and I just if I can get out of it early and I can kind of see the writing on the wall and, and get out early, I can. But I, at this point in, in the fantasy season, I'm not worried about where I drafted players yeah, in that, that original fair. startup. That's fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through, here's a sell for you. We're talking about Kyler Murray. Um, his leading receiver right now, Marquise Brown. He is the wide receiver six in PPR leagues. Okay. And I know Marquise Brown, he's done this a little bit before in windows with Lamar Jackson. I think at one point he was the wide receiver five um, to start a year, but let me, let me throw these at you. And this is the thing that I think is going to change over the, over the span here. So week one against Kansas city, he only had six targets, which is fine. That's, that's decent. But then here are the games after that 11 targets, 17 targets, 11 targets, 10 targets. Okay. Kyler Murray, meanwhile, all this, you know, playing 93 plus percent of snaps in all games so far. Kyler Murray doesn't throw the ball 45 times a game. Okay. They have design runs for him. They're a running team. They still understand their identity. They don't just sit back in the pocket and let Kyler Murray throw all game long. Okay. So DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back in two weeks. This is his last week of suspension. When DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, he demands a super high target share. So, I mean, how much do you anticipate this this decreasing, Tony? Because I, I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins' target share from last year. I mean, there's multiple games, 13, 9, 9, 8, 7, 9, 8. Targets? I mean, he, or catches. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, targets. I think Hopkins demands 12 to 15 targets a game. I don't think that's crazy. I, I think you could give him half of the balls, and you would be doing your team a service, uh, regardless of coverage, regardless of uh, anything. I mean, the man has proven that he is – we always talk about defensive players having an island, Revis Island, remember? I mean, yeah. Nuke has an island. And it doesn't matter who's there. doesn't matter what's going on. Uh, there's always a chance with him. He's going to demand a real opportunity. And I believe that Ertz is the, of the two, if we talk about the other, the two weapons right now in, in uh, Arizona that are performing, it's uh, Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz. I'm not saying that Marquise Brown is reduced to shambles, but Marquise Brown probably comes down to earth. Seven targets a game, six targets a game. Whereas Zach Ertz's production probably remains the same. So I see, I agree with you. Marquise is the sell. Ertz, to me, Ertz could potentially be a buy because people are going to have these same concerns. But we're not talking about Ertz. Uh, and, I, and I hate to say it, it sounds cheap. We talked about this before the show. It sounds so cheap to say the only reason that we want to sell him is because the introduction of another player. But that other player is a Hall of Fame wide receiver that hasn't yet retired from football. And so... 
uh, that we all, I, I think it would be unanimous. Among, Still 30. You ask not like 34 or something. You yeah. ask 50 people if, if DeAndre Hopkins is going to go to the Hall of Fame and all 30 of them are going to say yes. I mean, this is a unanimous decision here. Um, and he has plenty of time left to play. That's enough for me. And uh, the reason is, it goes back to what I had said before. We drafted Marquise Brown as our wide receiver three or four. He's producing like a one. It's time to move on. Get him out of here. There's too much risk at this point. He knew that he would have a start like this without DeAndre Hopkins with the question marks at the running back position because James Conner, he's not very, he's very injury prone and he's already shown that this year. And yeah, I, I don't see, I mean, this year, like I said, Kyler Murray is not the one that sits back in the pocket and kind of just does that. But this year he actually has a bunch of games that he has attempted 42, 49. He even attempted 58 passes in a game. That's just with DeAndre Hopkins, that, that, that's just not, not going to happen. Um, their team will be more complete and, you know, obviously they, they lost that game <laughs> and Kyler had a horrible fantasy outing. He didn't even throw a touchdown. He, he threw 58 times. <laughs> so, um, I think DeAndre Hopkins coming back is going to make a, a way bigger impact than it will just on the stat sheet as well, because Hopkins and AJ green were the two on the outside and Marquise Brown was in the slot when they were playing in the preseason before the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. So we'll see how that works out. Um, going back here to buys, um, another buy that I have here is Ramondre Stevenson. Ooh. Run, running back for the New England Patriots. Okay. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. I have, I have lots of reasons for this. Okay. When obviously we saw Damian Harris go down last week after that, and that was kind of early. Ramondre Stevenson played 90% of snaps. When's the last time you've seen that for a New England Patriots running back? I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. It's been Corey Dillon, you know, years before we've seen that. I mean, we haven't seen that since Corey Dillon. We really haven't. And Damian Harris is going to be out multiple weeks, okay, with a hamstring issue. And meanwhile, Damian Harris, Bill Belichick sees the writing on the wall. Damian Harris will not be on this team next year. Okay, so they are going to see what they have in Ramondre Stevenson. They went out and drafted this guy, and Belichick said that he is a bell cow running back recently, this week. When Bill Belichick says that about you, and you just got 90% of the snaps, and you can catch it very, very well, too, you are going to get a ton of work. I'll say that. And this is a team that the offensive line, when pass blocking, is not as good as their run blocking. And by the way, Mac Jones, their starting quarterback, he will be out for probably another couple weeks. So they also have a quarterback problem, which will lead to more opportunities for Ramondre Stevenson. And just looking at him, if you watched him last week, he passes the eye test for sure. This guy is going to be a league winner for people. I'm telling you that right now. Not only just this week, next week, and the next week while Damian Harris is out, but when Damian Harris comes back, he's not take. I mean, if Ramondre Stevenson has, you know, 20 carries a game and five targets, that's not all going to go away when Damian Harris comes back. It, it, Ramondre will supplant Damian Harris during this absence. I am positive of that. 
um, because of what Bill Belichick said and because it's showing in the stat sheet already on snap percentage and opportunity. Um, they are built as a defensive run team right now. They don't give the ball. They don't put it in Mac Jones's hands to win the game. They don't let him throw 40, 50 times a game. It's a defensive run team. And the running is going to go through Ramondre Stevenson, and it will not stop from here on out. You know, you bring a good point. And I feel like I'm afraid I'm going to agree with you on all these picks at this point. But that's okay. I'm fine with this. This is why I wanted you to lead this show. Ramondre Stevenson is a name that some people know, but the casual fan probably doesn't pay enough attention to. Uh, it's a it's a yeah. guy where you come up against your opponent and he's got Ramondre Stevenson in his flex spot and you think nothing of it and then bam he goes off for twelve or twenty points. This is not the first week that Ramondre has gone off for twenty points. It happened in week three against Baltimore. This is also not the first week he's been over fifty percent of the snap count. You brought up the ninety percent. You also brought up kind of the timeshare and. Um, I've got Damian Harris. Am I thinking of Damian Harris right now? I got myself yeah. distracted. The timeshare there. <clears throat> but I'm staring at these numbers, and that's kind of why I stumbled over those words, because Ramondre Stevenson has been the lead back all season long. 62% of the snaps, starting in week two. 62, 62, 55, 90% of snaps. He is the lead back. He's being spelled by a lesser back. Now the lesser back is gone. And so we could potentially still see him in for only, I mean, 90% is unrealistic, right? Don't go paying, yeah. don't go paying for a bell cow. Don't go paying for a Christian McCaffrey type asset. I don't think that's reasonable. You might get that production, but I don't think you have to pay that much. I expect him to come back to you know, what, 70%. I think 70% snaps. Okay. 70 is super strong still. Yeah. I, I think, think that's really strong. It's only 8% higher than he'd been performing with Damian Harris. We know that he's much better than J.J. Taylor. We know that he's much better than Kevin Harris. Pierre Strong, he's not a threat. I mean, this guy is six feet tall and 230 pounds, and he can catch the football. He checks all the boxes. I agree with you. Go get him. Go get him and, and overpay a little bit. But I'm, my, my only thing is don't pay based off that 90% snap count. I don't expect that to continue. But it's going to be higher than 62% because that's what it was with Damian Harris, the second best back on the field. Yeah, and it might be too late for an owner that absolutely loved Ramondre Stevenson from the very beginning and watched this game with 160-plus yards rushing um, in an outing, but he still only has one touchdown on the year, which is encouraging when you're trying to go trade for him, okay? Um, but, I mean, the guy averages over five yards a carry all year. When they give him the ball, stuff happens. And it's going to keep happening. So go trade for Ramondre Stevenson right now. Um, another sell that I have here, and Tony, I don't know if I actually told you this one before the before the show, but it is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay, screaming sell to me right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the running back eight. Okay, and we're going to hit on these snap percentages like we did for Ramondre Stevenson. Listen to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the starting running back, okay? Listen to these snap percentages. Week one, 39%. Week two, 44. Week three, 40. And then week four, 
It was that Tampa Bay game. It was an odd game, 56%, and then 43%. 56% was the most that he has had opportunity-wise in, in, in this year so far. And you might think, oh, well, in those snap percentages, he's probably getting the ball. Wrong. Listen to these rushing attempts for the starting running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Seven, eight, seven. And then he had that, that weird game against Tampa Bay with 19 and then nine. The guy's just not getting the ball. The reason he is running back eight is something that you can't it, – it, he's due for positive regression. It's touchdowns. That is it. And touchdowns are the most non-sticky stat that you can ever rely on in the NFL. He has five touchdowns in the first five weeks because he had two receiving touchdowns week one. And then he has two rushing touchdowns on the year and then another receiving touchdown. But listen to these targets as well. You might think, oh, since he's not getting the, um, since he's not getting the rushes, he's getting the targets. Three, four, five, two, four. He is not on the field. And I watched almost every snap of that Raiders-Kansas City game. That game was close. It was a blowout at first, and then it got super close, and then they were protecting the lead. I mean, this game had every scenario that you'd want in a ball game, and Clyde seemed like he was never on the field. He had nine rushes for 15 yards. Atrocious, okay, against the Raiders. And they had four targets and three catches for 20 yards. He almost caught another touchdown, which would have boosted him up even more, like RB7, <laughs> whatever it is. But if you have someone that is just looking at the rankings – that is a Chiefs fan, you know, he is the one that's getting a bunch of these touchdowns. He's the RB8 for one reason alone, and that is touchdowns, and that is something you just cannot rely on unless it's a Jonathan Taylor blowout year, Nick Chubb that's getting rushing attempts galore in the red zone that's rushing in two, three touchdowns a week. It's just not going to happen. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, sell, sell, sell right now, please. I'm going to agree with you again, and I have nothing else to add. Okay. Well, then we'll move on. On we go. Um, my last buy, and this is this is my only buy that kind of slightly made me a little bit nervous, but I've got some points here with it. It's Debo Samuel. Okay. okay. We all know that Debo is a freak of an athlete. He was the wide receiver three last year. Okay. They gave him the ball. Um, they gave him uh, targets and they gave him rushes all year last year. And, you know, we thought after he signed, after he was complaining that he was used too much as a running back, blah, 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 all those rumors. Debo came out and he said, it wasn't even true. I'll, I'll take the ball however I can get it and I just want to win. So he said all the right things. He's the wide receiver 18 right now. Okay, so Trey Lance, you know, dominated the, the work throughout the offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo, he was told not to even come because they were going to trade him. Well, they didn't find a trade partner. They went ahead and moved on with Trey Lance as a starter, and then Jimmy G was pushed back into the offense, and I feel like it is going to get back. Because what changed? I mean, what, what changed from last year when Debo Samuel was the wide receiver three to now? I mean, you have the same, basically the same wide receiver two, same wide receiver three, the same tight end, virtually the same offensive line, a little bit of shifting in the running backs, but what San Francisco is the 
the epitome of like, you know, fa- running back factory. We've talked about this before. Debo's on the field. He's getting the targets. Seven, six, eight, seven, nine. You know, it's it's just a matter of time. You just get the ball in Debo's hands. He will he will make it happen. He had eight rush attempts week one, scored on the ground. He's had two games so far out of the out of the five with over fifty yards rushing. And then uh, two weeks ago against the Rams, he went six for one fifteen and a touchdown through the air. So it's going to come for Debo Samuel, and he's got a, such a favorable schedule coming up in the next three weeks, Atlanta, Kansas City, and then at the Rams again. And for whatever reason, the Niners just have the Rams number. But he had a, such a good game against the Rams, and he did last year three times. Debo killed the Rams every time he played them. I don't know why they can't guard Debo Samuel. But they have three great games, and then they play the Chargers coming out of the bye. So, And then Arizona. You know, Debo, it will happen. And Jimmy G is just getting warmed up. He had over 1,800 yards last year and 14 touchdowns. And the guy doesn't have an injury in between that. He's going to figure it out with the exact same quarterback and the exact same coordinator and head coach, all of that. It's going to happen for Debo Samuel. And I feel like he's a good buy low right now because he he hasn't had those blow-up two to three touchdown games yet um, to where you just can't get him. I want to disagree with you because I always like shitting on the Niners, but everything is the same. <laughs> everything is the Man, same. Man, I want I want you to disagree with me. You know, and, and when I look at, I, I'll disagree with you. <clears throat> I think that Debo's a hold, and here's why. It goes it goes kind of back to what you were saying about Clyde with his touchdowns. I don't love having. I want double digit targets out of my number one wide receiver, and that's what Debo is. He's a number one wide receiver. When I see single digit targets, that means there's going to be games and he's got two of them, two out of five games with just two catches. Now, one of those games was saved by a touchdown and the other one may have been, I'm not looking at his rushing stats, but the other one must have been also because he still had 12, 12 points. So I don't know if he rushed a touchdown. I don't know what happened in that game. I'm just looking at a glance here. It was week one. He had 12 fantasy points on a PPR league with seven receptions and 14 yards. So, so eight for 52 and a touchdown on the ground. There we go. Yeah. I knew something happened on the ground. I didn't have it in front of me. Um, I, I just but that, remember that was the monsoon game with Trey Lance. That game you could just literally throw out. Throwing that game out makes it worse um, in a lot of ways because I'm looking at a guy who's receiving the ball. He's catching the ball five or six times a game at most. I'm not saying that he's not an elite athlete. I'm not saying that he's not a freak and can make it work. Uh, I'm just saying that I'm not a guy that's willing to go out. I can't bet on that. I have to have volume. I chase volume. Let me ask you this. So, like I mentioned, Debo Samuel, he was the wide receiver three last year. And remember how many touchdowns and yards he had? 1,800 total yards, 14 touchdowns. How many games last year without looking? Do you think he had double-digit targets? Uh, half. I would bet half. Five games. On a, what was that's it? That's it. 18-game season. Okay, not half. Yeah. A third, that's Five. 30%. Debo can make more with less. He's the kind of guy that you just get the ball in his hands and he can make it work. I agree. I mean, the mm-hmm. plays, the yards per catch, always in double digits. A lot of these games are way above 20, and you just put it in his hands. He is a playmaker. Maybe that's the reason why I don't have any Debo Samuel is because I do chase volume and I don't see a, he's not a volume guy. He's a production guy. I'm not going to take that away from him. 
he's clearly a better athlete than the average wide receiver or maybe even the average running back. So I'm not going to completely disagree with you. My opinion on Debo is not buy or sell. It's hold. If you own him, you got him. Um, and of course, yeah, I'll just leave it there. It's, it's a hold uh, for me, but, but I can see your, your logic. I just think that the guy who drafts Debo, like he's a guy that if you, if you drafted him, you believe in the man, like you buy in all the way, especially after the negativity in the off season. Like I said, he he's the wide receiver 18 right now where you drafted him. You were expecting kind of a repeat of last year, if not better. I don't think you so, were. I don't think you were. I think there you, was, well, I think there was enough poo poo in the beginning of the off season that I think people expect him to slide down. Sure. But and maybe he, to wide receiver 10, you know, with him fl- flirting with wide receiver two numbers here, uh, maybe that, he finished uh, as PPR wide receiver, wide receiver 18. Oh, sorry, three. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong line. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at the wrong line. Completely. So maybe, maybe uh, you never know. That's that's why I say at the very beginning, you know, you got to know, you got to know who you're trading with. You got to know the temperature. So sometimes I'll just throw throw out like a feeler text, like, hey, what do you, what do you think on Debo Samuel? Um, is that someone that you would be, you know, consider moving? And then just kind of go it from there because, you know, if you just start throwing some offers and you do get with somebody that loves Debo Samuel, drafting him super high and just he scored touchdowns in two straight weeks, they're definitely like, oh, yeah, he's heating up. Got to hold on to him. But you never know. Season-wise, they're looking at numbers and they could get turned off. So you ready for the last one? Let's do it. I wish Corey was here for this one. Oh, I wish so too. I already know who it is. Go ahead. So... Jonathan Taylor. It pains me to even say it because the guy is so good. And most teams that have him drafted him in the top three picks. I would say probably the top two. This is redraft only, correct? Redraft only. Okay. Redraft only. Yeah. We could do some dynasty stuff in the offseason because I love talking dynasty. Um, But it it is redraft. And now the buys... The buys could be, you know, considered, um, you know, go get them in, in, in Dynasty for sure. But, yeah, the sells strictly in redraft. Actually, my sells for Marquise Brown and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, sell them in Dynasty too. But hold on to Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty. Um, yeah, it's just the Colts are a different team than they were last year. And I know we're talking about a team that still didn't make the playoffs last year and had – you know, I don't know if it's a better quarterback or a worse quarterback. Last year over this year, we're still kind of figuring that out. But the offensive line has been the biggest issue for me. You know, the eye tests on the offensive line, that's that's the biggest thing with trading away Jonathan Taylor is, is knowing that. They have looked completely different, and they're ruining this year for the Colts, honestly. The Colts are built in the trenches, okay? They did it right. A couple years ago, they had a they had a massive Super Bowl window because they had one of the best offensive lines in the league and the best defensive lines in the league. That is how you build a team, okay? You have a, that way. If you have quarterback issues, wide receiver issues, running back issues, they can be fixed, okay? Look at Dallas when they drafted Zeke and Dak in the same year. They had the best offensive line in the league in 2016, and look at those two. I mean, they were fighting over Rookie of the Year every single week. Because you could just plug and play guys. They were both rookies and dominating the NFC. But the Colts, the offensive line, they need to get it together. And that is the thing that worries me. But not only that, is this this injury for Jonathan Taylor, he already missed a week and he's still not practiced. 
you know, this is recorded on a Wednesday, so we could get better news tomorrow, but that's also a worry for me. You know, these, was it a high ankle sprain? I do believe they call it a high ankle sprain, which is a break, by the way. It's worth, it's worth saying that when somebody says a sprain, it's not like, oh, I sprained my arm. You broke a bone. Like there's a crack in the bone. There's, that's a real thing. Um, it's not as serious as a break, obviously, but it is something that is very serious in running backs. Uh, and yes, it was a sprain, I believe. Yeah. High ankle sprains and running backs do not mix. They hold on to those injuries because they always come back too soon. Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, those are two running backs that are in my mind that have had high ankle sprains recently within the last couple of years that just can't get right. Now, to be fair, though, Saqu- when Saquon came back, he tore an Achilles or an ACL, didn't he? Is that, am I thinking of this the right way? I'm talking about before he did that. Okay. He had a high ankle sprain the year before, and he was not the right person. He, he was not he was not the same. And, and Alvin Kamara even came out and said, I had that. I felt that injury all year long. I was not myself. So if it is truly a bad high ankle sprain for Jonathan Taylor, which we know it is because he just missed the first game that he ever has in his career, high school, college, and the NFL, the first game ever. So we know it's serious. So take that the offensive line issues, Jonathan Taylor only has one touchdown this year. And that's scary as can be. He had 20-plus last year. Guess, so Tony, are you looking at any stats right now, Jonathan Taylor? No, but I'll go ahead and get him in. Don't, 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 don't okay. look at him. Okay. I want you to guess. And I'll give you like a 10-yard range of how many receiving yards Jonathan Taylor has this year. 20. I'm surprised you guessed that low. It's actually 44. The line's Which been is really bad. bad. I have, I have come full circle on this Colts team. Like it, it, I am, we talked about this before the show. Homer or not, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, as I did this morning, and I thought, man, I'm never going to grow a beard. I looked at it. I thought, man, I haven't shaved for like a week and a half. It's never going to happen. And I, when my in my gut, I was like, just hold on another day, Tony. Don't shave it off. Don't if you it. wait another day. You could wake up with a beard. You can do it. This offensive line fucking sucks. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better today. Um, I believe the team is poorly coached. We can talk about this a different day. Uh, But uh, there are too many things working against Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, was Anthony Costanzo on the line last year? I don't think he was. No. No. Okay. Eric Fisher. I'm trying to figure out the difference. Like what broke down with the offensive line? It must have happened quietly. It must have been a player that we didn't realize was an anchor point because there is something drastically different. And what is, I believe, the most most paid offensive line in the league is absolutely not living up to its expectation. What's happening is the running game can't get anything done. Matt Ryan keeps coughing up the football, whether it's from a bad snap, uh, a sack, or a rushed interception. Uh, that's why I said 20, 20 receiving yards is because I'm honestly, I'm honestly shocked that it's 40 and 40 sucks also. Yeah. And last year when he was putting together the year that he was, I mean, he was getting targets and they were setting up plays for him to get the ball in space and everything was way different. And I mean, you look at last year, I know nine minds has always been a thorn 
I I just I don't like I, I've had shares of Jonathan Taylor before and you can't watch Colts games you really can't because of the way they use nine Hines. Um, but some of these games, I mean, he, he had a game with over a hundred yards receiving 60, 52. He was getting targets seven, eight, five, six. I mean, th- add that on top of getting 30 carries, you know, in games. And he, I mean, gosh, these touchdowns, just looking at last year's stats is just like sickening. Listen to this pace just in touchdowns. One, two, two, one, one. Two, one, five, one, two. Those are straight games, just straight games right off there. And then right after the bye, one, and then he did not score, but he had over 100 yards, and then one. So I, I can't even do the math on that. But he scored in 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. He scored in 12 of 13 weeks straight. That is not going to happen this year for Jonathan Taylor. The offensive line is completely different. And they've, yeah, he's already not scored in three straight games and then missed one due to injury and then plays Jacksonville this week. Who knows? And then if he comes back, they play at Tennessee, which is, you know, not a good rushing defense to want to get right on. So I think with the offensive line issues, obviously they have quarterback issues. You know, Matt Ryan, he's like Stonewall, Joe Flacco, you know, Jackson back there. And then. You know, combine that with not getting not getting the targets. He's currently injured. He has one game, Tony, that he scored over 12 fantasy points this year. It's almost like they, they've completely we've lost the identity of Jonathan Taylor. So that's why I say throw the draft board out the window. Because if you have Jonathan Taylor and you're sitting on him and you're probably not winning games, you gotta you gotta flip him for the name. You know, especially and, if you recognize your league. And let me clarify that that statement because you're right. I think, it's, I think it's true on both ends of the board. If you're looking at a high-end player that's not performing, you've got to move on quickly. If you wait too long, like you say, you get caught holding the bag. If you're looking at sometimes a Sometimes they get right, though. Sometimes they do get right. But if you can still get good value, if you can still get, put it back on the board. Jonathan Taylor's a first-round pick. If you can still get a second-round pick that's performing, it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Debo Samuel? When I'm trading cross uh, position like that, it's all team dependent. So it would really depend on the team. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor for, um, gosh, I'm trying to think, not Nick Chubb. I'm trying to think of a second round running back, Um, not Najee Harris. I'm trying to think of a running back in the second round. That's maybe, or a third round. I can't think of it. I can't think of it at the moment. I'm I'm on the spot here. Let me ask you this. This is a perfect one, I think. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Leonard Fournette? Oh, I wouldn't personally be able to do that. No? No, but I could understand why somebody would do that. And I feel like I'd make fun of that person and then he beat me the next week. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Brees Hall and Damian Pierce? Yes. I would do that in a heartbeat. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Dalvin Cook? Yes. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Dalvin Cook's Joe the Mixon? player that I was gonna that I was gonna say, but Dalvin Cook's performance has been a little little meh also. And he's a little underperforming. Um, but, He's getting there. He but, had two touchdowns this week, 94 yards. But Jonathan Taylor is so far underperforming that I agree with what you're saying. At some point, you have to cut your losses. And the same is true for me on the opposite end of the board. When you have a guy that you took late in the draft that's exploding and you really can't find a spot on him on your bench, you're debating every year, every week, uh, do, I put, do I bench a starter for this guy that's performing that I, I knew he was going to blow up and now he's blown up? No, I prefer to get those fucking questions out of my head. 
And so I would sell the, the bottom end player that's performing to improve my starters or the starter that I believe in every week that's getting me four points because I'm a dumbass and I have, can't change. I can't shave my face knowing that I'll never grow a beard. Does that make sense? I'm rambling. Last one. But I think last it makes one. sense. You said the last would one was trade? the last one. Oh, this is the last would you one. Trade, would you trade Jonathan Taylor for the RB3 right now, Josh Jacobs? Nope. I don't think I could either. I think that's our line. Yeah. But I would. I would for Eckler, Chubb, Barkley, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. I mean, I'm right on the line there with Fournette, honestly. Fournette and Jacobs. But, yeah, I, think, I mean, that's, that's, I think Fournette, that's a lot of guys that, I would take above That him. goes back to what you're saying, though. If you get the right owner, you find a Colts fan that has Fournette, you get Fournette and a little bit extra. No, yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. I'll that's that. what you do. You you yeah. take Jonathan Taylor and you flip him for a Leonard Fournette plus. You sure. you You know... God, God forbid you could get like a Leonard Fournette plus a Damian Pierce or a Brees Hall or even God or Ramondre Stevenson. Leonard Fournette and Ramondre Stevenson. All day. I mean, you'd almost have to be an idiot to even do that if you were, you know, trying to get Jonathan Taylor at that point. Aaron Jones, you know, a guy that's kind of underperformed so far is still the RB13 because he's making it happen because he's they have to rely on him. So if you get like an Aaron Jones, um, Aaron Jones and Damian Pierce, would you do that for Jonathan Taylor? Jones. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, I would do that too. I mean, you're getting the same production and you're picking up a piece. Yeah, you're getting depth. You're getting better most production. most important position in fantasy redraft. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a show. Do you, are we going to do the best bets this week? Oh! Best bets of the week! Welcome back to best bets of the week. Uh, Corey, who can't make it, texted in his picks. So I'm going to go through those really quick here. Um, he is taking the, and want to remind you, uh, Corey takes spreads and I take over unders. So Corey, the Rams are at home against the Panthers. The Panthers are very riddled right now. Um, we won't have Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, the Panthers just fired their coach. A lot of things are not looking good on that front. And the Rams are favored by 10 and a half at home. Corey is taking those points. Um, he is saying the Rams are going to win by more than 10 and a half, which I do not blame him on that one. Um, the Panthers will be starting PJ Walker, I believe. Um, so moving on, um, Arizona goes into Seattle. Seattle is a home underdog to the Cardinals. Um, this is one of those interesting games where you have two kind of bad teams, especially bad defenses and Arizona's favored by two and a half. He's taken the points for Seattle. Um, Seattle's been on a roll. Geno Smith has been kind of locked in, getting it done, and uh, he is he is taking uh, the Seahawks here at home to cover that two and a half spread, probably to either maybe even possibly win the game is what he would probably say. Um, next game here, Buffalo is going into Kansas City, and Buffalo, it's 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 crazy. I saw these headlines. Buffalo is favored in Kansas City by two and a half. Pat Mahomes is a home underdog. This game is going to be good. Um, I also have this in my in my best bets of the week, too, actually. But he is taking Kansas City to cover that. I know he's a big Pat Mahomes fan and a big Chiefs um, you know, fan at the beginning of the year when we were kind of going through our, our pre preseason rankings, and he loves the Chiefs, and he thought that they were getting slept on all year long. So they're, they're kind of proving it here. So he thinks they're going to put rubber to the road and, uh, and cover that two-and-a-half. Um, against against the Bills here, and he'll probably say the Chiefs are going to win here at home. And the last game here, divisional matchup, the Cowboys go into Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia is just hot right now. 
Uh, Dallas still doesn't have Dak Prescott back. He'll be back sometime within the next couple weeks, I'd imagine. But Philadelphia is, is one of the better teams in football. I mean, probably a top five team at this point, if not more. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Minus six is what Corey's taking at home. He's going to call uh, Philadelphia to win by more than six points here at home against Dallas. I like that as well. Um, so here I'll go into my best bets of the week, um, and there's a couple duplicates. Um, we'll go to that Cardinals-Seahawks game, the over-under sitting at 50 and a half, and kind of the same reasons that I mentioned um, for Corey's too. Geno Smith, Seattle, I, I can anticipate that Seattle has been pleasantly surprised with Geno Smith. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are thanking him as well. And plus we have Rashad Penny went down. So now we have Kenneth Walker stepping into the fold, and I think he's might be a little more explosive and a little more um, that can go on there. So I'm going to take the over on 50 and a half. These are two defenses that you just have to bet against every week. Um, I mentioned the Bills and Chiefs game. It's going to be a good one. The over-under is 54. I am taking the over. You have to. Um, the last three games that these two teams have played together have gone over that mark. Um, and actually the last game that they played hit 78 points, okay? Um, it was in the playoffs last year, so Bills at Chiefs, that's the game of the week. Everybody's going to want pieces in that one, over 54. Um, my third one here, Buccaneers are going into Pittsburgh. I don't feel like this is going to be a good game at all. Pittsburgh is just getting beat up on right now. The Bills just laid it on them. Uh, the Buccaneers needed this game. They've had a couple couple bad games um honestly on the not on the uh, on the stat sheets but on the scoreboard um they should be really dominating a couple of these teams if they haven't but this is their get right game they're going into pittsburgh the over under is 44 i just don't see pittsburgh putting up points in this one the rookie kenny pickett is going to be at the helm um we have a struggling Najee harris he's going to struggle again this game i mean you, you can't run on the bucks and then you, they haven't figured out how to use Najee harris still so I'm taking under 44 on this game. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this game, you know, like 28 to 10, 30 to 10, something like that. It's going to be under 44. And then my last game is going to be uh, tonight's game for the listeners um, on, on Thursday. The Commanders go into Wa uh, sorry, Chicago, and uh, this is just going to be a horrible game. I, I It's going to be hard to watch uh, just like last Thursday. No, nothing is going to be last Thursday on, on hard to watch, but – this could be a game that's just random. You know, there's there's these random matchups throughout the year that are Thursday night games that everyone anticipates them being horrible and and they end up being barn burners. I just don't think these two teams are capable. <laughs> Washington has been in a couple high scoring games, but my God, NFL, get it together, get us some Thursday games that are better. Like just you know these these Bills Chiefs and. Uh, Chiefs Raiders games that we're having in primetime right now. Get those on Thursday. Help us out. The over-under is 38, and I'm taking the under. I just, God, I cannot see this game being an interesting one to watch. I mean, everyone look at it last week like, oh, my God, then we have that game. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's what we have in store here. So, under 38, Washington at Chicago. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.